when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Top of the week to you, Internet. It is Monday, July 22nd, 2019, and you are listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 250. I am your host, Rob Zachney. Joining me is Danielle Riendo. 250! That's just, that's what I got. That's the energy I got. I can't see either of your faces. What? Oh no! I am looking, I'm looking at I'm looking at the top of your head. Okay, now I see your face. Oh, but yeah, Danielle's Danielle's. You can cut just off. see my hands. Yeah. What happened? I'll here? gesture wildly. It's like she's a vandalized sculpture. I am. That's like I'm, I mean, I'm that's... podcasting like the Visigoths sacked the city. <laughs> Truly. And... That's who I am. Did you not know? I fixed Wait, it. can I can I give a bit of news? You guys, I got my what's, blue belt. What's up? I got wow. my blue belt! Congrats. In Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. That was my news. Thank you. It just means I'm intermediate and no longer a beginner. That's all it really means. Oh, and I can break people's knees in competition now. Isn't that exciting? Wait, on purpose? Yeah, I can do knee bars now. Okay, but... Most of the time people tap. tap, Don't worry. They tap. They tap. Don't worry. Oh, I saw a movie... Mm. about that one. No, I mean, <laughs> I literally saw the the art of self defense this weekend, which just oh. because there's a thing about tap or tap or take a nap. I mean, <laughs> tap or take a nap is much better than tap or break a break a bone. <laughs> like to be honest, it's much personally. Better to go I'm out. a big fan of Warrior. <laughs> just Tom Hardy, just being a big sad dude. Oh, that's some good stuff. That is good. Very good shit. Uh. So I've had a weird morning. Yeah, please tell. Yeah, so uh, we decided, we, uh, MK decided, that we need <laughs> to start going to, like, this local dairy. Okay. And so now we have a milkman. Nice. Very old school. And yeah. uh, last week, uh, la- last week we had our first delivery, and I usually get up around 6 in the morning. So you can imagine my shock when our Monday delivery, the phone rang at 5.30 in the morning. What? what? And yeah, because I had because my phone is how, how I buzz people into my building. So my oh. phone rang at 5.30 in the morning. I snap awake. I miss the call. But I'm standing there and I'm like, well, they, they hung up. And I turn to MK and I'm like, there's no way that was the delivery guy, right? And she said, no, for sure that was the delivery guy. That was definitely the milkman. <laughs> Honey, he's be? a milkman. This is when they come. <laughs> and I'm like, excuse me, I'm from this century. I don't know when the milkman <laughs> shows up. Like, I'm just, this this knowledge was lost with my grandparents. Yeah. Uh, so this week, uh, we, so this week for the first week, I met, I met the fill-in, the understudy milkman. Oh. And this time I saw him and I go downstairs and I swear to God, our milkman, 
he had he was waiting by his truck and he had struck a pose and the only <laughs> way i can describe him is like imagine a like fourth generation fourth generation like massachusetts farmer who seems like they are ready at any moment to break into a ska cover of family don't matter oh <laughs> my god <laughs> it was yeah so we we like had the like ska punk organic milk farmer show great. up first thing in the morning great um so i am fucking exhausted um <laughs> and also my kitchen is covered in little pieces of butter because mk also decided that now she's going to make her own cultured butter because mm. This is what happens when you start binging It's Alive episodes, mm -hmm. apparently. Mm -hmm. And like, so a couple weeks ago, it was like, hey, let's just put on some Bon Appetit videos for fun. That'll be, that'll be great. Yeah. And now MK's like, I think I need a kimchi jar. Yeah. And yeah. I'm going to leave this cream out over the weekend. So it uh -huh. turns into, so it begins culturing and in, into butter. Yes. But now I need to churn it this morning in the stand mixer. And oh, that is going to fling. Wait yeah. a second. Yeah, <laughs> I was on board until you got into the stand mixer. Wait, what time was she culturing this butter? Is this also at 5.30 well, in the morning? It was culturing all night, she, all weekend. I'm sorry, churning. What time was she churning the butter at this point? Like, uh, well, like 6.15. Oh, Great. my God. And the problem was it was still wet enough. There's still enough buttermilk yeah. in it uh -huh. that that kept, like, spraying out of the stand mixer. Yeah. And she was like, I think I got it all. Bye. I'm going to work. So I was just in the kitchen making coffee. And everything, I mean everything, has, like, little bits of, like, butter dangling off of it like right. all the all the hardware in the kitchen there's like little pieces of butter here and there like just stalactites like hiding beneath kitchen fittings um the butter is you pretty delicious though i gotta say oh nice that's, that's great Fermentation's uh, good stuff. i don't know so i've seen what happens when cats get into like really rich dairy though it can I be a bad scene as well yeah it's uh <laughs> Ori, so I like popcorn a lot. This is a thing in my life. I am not a cook. I'm not a chef. Most of my meals consist of cauliflower rice and vegetables and cheese in some sort of <laughs> fashion. Or, or uh, you know, <laughs> granola made with walnuts, mostly. So I, I don't really uh, cook. However, I have a popcorn maker. I have a hot air popper. And I enjoy me some popcorn. And mm -hmm. I, you know, melt a little butter in the microwave. And Ori, my tiny cat, the cat that, uh, you know, once uh, destroyed a game of Into the Breach for me, uh, <laughs> she really enjoys butter water. The water I put, you know, in the little cup to, uh, you know, make it easier to wash. She really likes it. Great. I uh, have to hide it from her or we have issues. Butter water. She loves the butter water. It's her little thing. GI issues. You know, it's just like... Well. Thank God cats use tongue. a litter box. Thank God. Just thank <laughs> yeah. fucking God. Because my dog, I bless his soul. He's well, still not yeah. great uh, about certain things. You don't, you don't need two animals uh, like laying waste you know, to, to the apartment. It's, it's correct. Yeah. Uh, One's enough. Laying, hmm. yeah, laying, but... <laughs> laying waste in No, me, true, my true. Well, anyway, speaking of laying waste, though, um, so how did y'all bear the heat? Because I basically... Hid in my cave 
mm-hmm. this yeah. week. Um, I didn't see the sun most of Saturday. I wow. just put the shades at like, because like if I leave the shades up, I begin losing the battle with the heat by mid morning. Like my AC will just start losing the battle with the shades down. There's enough insulation and lack of direct sunlight that I could, I was able to keep it at like 73 in my apartment all day, which was pretty awesome. Yeah. All right. But it did me and I never saw the sun. Um, So I just entered this like gaming fugue state. I did like four F1 2019 races and just like straight crushed it. Nice. Uh, I was, I was really on fire. Um, but I did sort of have that weird, I don't know. It feels strange when you go an entire day and you have no sense of time, right? It's like, I just turned my house into a submarine, uh, today. Today the heat's broken, but the entire town smells like trash. And, I'm, and that made me think, I'll bet New York sucks right now. Mm-hmm. A little bit. <laughs> you can smell the trash before you can see the trash. It's true. Yeah. It's not great. Uh, it was, so I... I can never fight heat above like 95 in my apartment with my very sad small AC. So uh, I always go, I always go, I have to like, I bear it long enough to get somewhere that has AC, like a movie theater or a mall, and just spend as much time as possible (laughs) in industrial strength AC rather than try to stay at home because uh, my apartment is, you know, sunny. Yeah. In one in one room, and that room will always be like five degrees hotter than it really is, just because of all the reflecting sun. It's it's hell. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I saw a movie. That's What'd what you I see? saw. Oh, the art of self defense. Oh right, sorry. Yeah, yeah, we You've talk- already yes. <laughs> You've told me about this. I'm um, going to kill a man. God, that movie. I. If we still had to be good and rewatch it, it'd be like, you know what? We should talk about this. This movie's a lot. Um, but yeah, it was a very interesting. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? After not, getting attacked on the street, Casey enlists up. in a local dojo that's uh-huh. led by a charismatic and mysterious sensei. Yep. <laughs> he soon uncovers a sinister fraternity mm-hmm. of violence and masculinity while learning how to defend himself. Did they just like mash up Karate Kid and Fight Club? Kind of. Yeah, wow. kind of a little bit. But it's 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 um it's self-aware in a way where it's like it's it's what I'm the word I'm looking for is like uh not satire, Jesus. Like critique. Not even or like yeah, like critique, but more like um it's like self-reflexive in a way. It like yeah, but like yeah, it is critiquing uh that sort of violent masculinity and like it's um it's very creepy. In a in a good way though, like like you could see where taking these sort of characters and taking these sort of situations could turn into like people agreeing with certain ideas, but like they made sure to like make the uh, kind of more toxic ideas in this film like feel very obviously wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um. So. Trying to avoid the Tyler Durden problem. Right, exactly. That's people the come thing. out of that movie being like, that guy fucking owns. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. They, I think, And they think they did that well in this one. Yeah. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, it's cool. It's uh, it's worth a watch, I think. <sighs> That's extremely good. I did a lot of jujitsu and I watched a lot of fights. Good. <laughs> there were, also um, indoor stuff. <laughs> yeah, it, definitely indoor stuff. Although I will say wrestling in this heat is like, Three rounds feels like 27. Jesus. At least. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, 
I also like um, my I was not on my ambulance this weekend. I will be next weekend. But my ambulance was actually like conscripted by FDNY all weekend because of the heat emergency. It was like, hey, instead of just kind of going on calls when you feel like it, y'all, how about uh, <laughs> how about you're on our time right now and like, you know, doing uh, more specific calls, which is. That happens when it, like, is this bad. I did actually call an ambulance for somebody this weekend. That was a thing that I did. So everything had to do with the heat or fighting for me <laughs> this right. weekend, Nice, basically. yeah. So, yeah. Well, speaking of, uh, so, you know, the ambulance. Yes. A, a sort of vehicle of the urban landscape. A, a taking confessional people to space. and fro. Yes, yes if you will. Indeed. <laughs> uh, Danielle, I see you've, you've, you've caught the bug. Uh, yes. You've been playing a little bit of Night Call. Yes, and I am really, really loving it. Uh, absolutely, and it might—it's possible that I might write a little bit about this. But in the in the spirit of our our colleague uh, Patrick Klepek, who often uses the podcast to sort of workshop ideas occasionally for pieces, um, y'all let me know what you think. But uh, I definitely have found a real emotional resonance with not just the writing itself, but with the sort of concept of strangers pouring their hearts out to you. Uh, which is a thing that I witness all the time when I'm on my ambulance. I, I frequently have people kind of telling me their life story or telling me like all about their problems. Obviously, being in an ambulance, you're in either in a medical, like a severe medical emergency or emotional emergency. Those we actually attend to as well. Uh, and if I end up writing about this, uh, I'll probably write about a specific call I had the weekend prior to this weekend where... Um, I had a woman who just was having a meltdown, just like an emotional, absolute meltdown. And, um, you know, really, really, really laid it all out. Like what was going on in her life, what was going on with her husband, with her kids, with work, with how she feels controlled by things, with how frustrated she was with so many other aspects of life, how she tries to get mental health care at like people that she calls for help, like when things are really bad, like all of it, you know, really all of this kind of stuff that comes out of people. And in night call, you're a cab driver. You're not obviously taking people to the, the hospital most of the time, uh, but people come into your cab. It's late at night. They're Sometimes they're drunk. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're just having a bad day or having a great day. <laughs> uh, it was in the case of a poet, she seems to be having a great day. Uh, and they, they tell you about their lives, um, which is both a conceit that, Rob, I, I know you had some... Uh, like the, the dramatization of this and like how extreme this is in the game, like everybody pours their heart out to you. Completely agree. That's a little <laughs> like even in my ambulance, not everybody's telling me their life story. Right. Uh, and, and the cab is a less, uh, emotionally strenuous environment at that. So it's like, yeah, for sure. That is, I think, uh, uh, a factor where the game is not necessarily realistic. Um, but when it does hit, I think it hits really, really well. Uh, my very first call in the game, and I guess in case folks hadn't heard the last episode, Night Call is like an interactive fiction game. You play as a cab driver, Hussein, who is, uh, he survived a murder, he survived an attempted murder, and uh, has been sort of blackballed into helping the cops find this murderer who's on the loose. But most of the game is driving your cab in Paris and meeting all these sort of interesting characters in Paris, including a cat and maybe Santa and <laughs> a lot of interesting people uh, sort of along the way uh, and political figures and, and writers and all kinds of folks who you wrote about in your review, which y'all should go read because it's really, really good. 
Uh, but that sort of emotional resonance of the people who do, uh, you know, read as real in the moment. Uh, my very first call was uh, somebody you mentioned in the last episode, which was the the young woman who she's studying to be a lawyer, failed the bar exam, really wants to be a dancer. And she's on the phone with mom the whole time. And this really made me think of my patient from the other weekend because she was on the phone with her mom, like during half of this call. She was like on the phone with her mother, begging us, like, please, like, I, I, I need help. I don't know what to do. And she's also saying this to her mom, like on the other line. So it was very like, oh, wow, there's like this weird connection. They're obviously very different in terms of their lives and what's going on in their lives. But these are both like women who are on the phone with their moms about some sort of failure or some sort of thing that has made them unhappy. And now they're pouring their heart out to me, basically, which was super weird and interesting. Uh, I am loving this game, even though I don't think it needed that detective layer, which you also write about in the review of like, I don't even know how it works, really. I just know I'm collecting evidence. It's not even like you're looking at the evidence. It just kind of shows up on this board of like, oh, these, this was a clue. And I'm like, I just wanted to read that newspaper article, actually. Like, this world is what's interesting to me. This case is not terribly interesting to me. But I understand why I, there is this this sort of trend, I feel like, in a lot of IF pieces to make it a little more gamey, you know, to make you know add those sorts of extra layers of gameplay uh, on occasion. And it's like... This was good enough without that. <laughs> so, the other, when yeah. I was before I could write up my review, I found myself revisiting um, the simple art of murder, which is Raymond Chandler's critical yeah. essay on detective fiction, and he's writing it from uh, sort of the midway point of the century, yeah. right? And so, the detective genre, or at least the modern detective uh, genre, still. In its in its adolescence, I'd say when when he's writing it, there's really we've only just moved a generation beyond people being like Conan Doyle imitators. Yeah, but one of the things that he observes at the start of the piece, and I think this is really very true of something like um, Night Call, is that a really great detective novel is actually incredibly difficult to write because the different parts of a murder mystery require accessing completely different sensibilities and spheres of knowledge. And so the argument he makes is that sort of the intricate logistician who's going to arrange these uh, real naughty whodunit problems is probably not going to be the person who also has a great sense of how people talk and what moves and motivates them. The person who is the natural dramatist who does have an understanding of of human interactions and dialogue probably isn't going to be the person who has a great deal of like forensic knowledge about here are different types of poison here is how the you know new york city phone system is set up as opposed to the the paris uh like phone system like that person is that that's probably a different person and a lot of times in mysteries what we're kind of hoping for is someone who's going to run the table on those right someone who's going to create a story that's going to be a really satisfying whodunit, but also it's going to have convincing characters. And also maybe you'll learn something about like how the, you know, just weird esoteric knowledge that comes up in a murder case. But that person doesn't exist, right? Like that's right. that's a, an incredibly tall order. 
And I think Nightcall is very much an example of really what you had here was a desire to write a series of scenes. Uh, it's a series of small one set plays between characters and in the process of that, in the backdrop of that, all of it's going to be shaped and framed by this murder mystery. But the people who made this game are not mystery writers. There's not, <laughs> it's, it's like they've watched a lot of mysteries. They've seen a lot of TV. They've, I'm sure they've read a bunch. But in terms of like how they work and what makes people sort of stop and labor over who said what and what the witness, you know, what the witness statements were. They don't really have access to that. And so you end up with this real weird murder board of here's, you know, according to this person, the killer is exactly, uh, you know, one meter, 80 <laughs> centimeters. Yeah. And but of course, this person was killed by somebody who was less than 179 centimeters. And I'm like, I don't think. That doesn't seem real. <laughs> I, I don't. I question the medical examiner who came up with that. <laughs> yeah, I almost get the sense, and I, I, I'm still fairly early on. I've played a couple hours. I, I almost get the sense that your your character, that Hussein himself, like doesn't know how any of this bullshit works, and that he's just doing the thing that uh, that you know intelligent and reasonable people do when they don't know what the fuck they're doing, which is like just write it all down. <laughs> it could be important. Write it down. You know, that kind of thing. And just throwing it on a board uh, where you're tasked with organizing things on this board. I don't I don't even know what to do. I'm just like, if it didn't come with a string attachment, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where to put yeah. it. I have no context for like any of this. So I just want to go back to talking to interesting people and cats. And yeah, I, I got the cat second. That was my second call on the in the entire game. And I oh was wow, like, things went off the rails fast. Yeah, it was immediate. It was <laughs> it was the woman who failed the bar exam, and then the cat. Like those were I I saw the cat, and I was like, oh, is that the cat? Oh my god, let me go. And I didn't know if it was like the cat's picture, and then it would be like, oh, a person with a cat. No, it was the cat. <laughs> That that was my assumption. I was like, somebody's gonna be taking their cat to a vet, but yeah. no, it's just it's a cat. Uh, yeah, don't. Chase the cat off. It's a sad, like, it's just, you'll feel like, you'll feel bad. Yeah. Um, is, is, is what I'll say. Cause the cat will be like very upset. You didn't take it to the train station. It's terrible. <laughs> oh. Yeah. The cat was very but happy. Yeah. I think, <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's a, um, I really like this game. Some of these scenes are so well executed, but I do wish that all these conversations added up to maybe being the solution to the mystery in, yeah. in in some sense, and that you sort of saw the same, and I think this is the other place this game lets itself down a little bit. I think for a for a game structured like this, what would be really effective is if you had sort of a longer case rather than just like mm. a week to investigate all this. You had a longer case, and you encountered more of these people again and again and again until you began to realize, oh shit, I think this person that I've shared all these confidence confidences with might be the killer. Yeah. And instead, like in like two of the three cases, I think I've had one interaction with the killer prior to sort of tapping them as the prime suspect. But what that, what that precludes is that sort of sinking feeling of revelation you get when you realize like, Oh shit. <laughs> This person 
but, you know, this person who I like, this person has a compelling story. Let something slip. They probably shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. And now everything is different. Like that's kind of what's missing. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I think, I think it would have been a like unreserved recommendation, like great game if it sort of delivered on that. But yeah. It, and so it delivers, I think a lot of really good scenes, but they're not all good scenes. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I would I would completely agree with that. The, the the connective tissue between the sort of mystery side and the talking to people in your cab side is it it does feel very disparate, um, and that you know. Eh. But I am I am sort of loving it, and I was actually playing the other night. Um, I was just like screen sharing it with my partner, and just kind of like this is kind of the perfect game for that sort of thing in the way that a lot of Telltale games were great for playing with a partner like one person's at the controls or at the keyboard and like you're both kind of like oh what's the right decision here what's the right call here you know uh you have time to do that in a lot of cases like i'm I'm not playing it on the auto version or whatever i'm clicking through every uh every sort of uh, interaction that we're having i'm clicking through at my at my pace basically so i could sit there for half an hour and think like "Hmm, what should i do with this and you know that is just a really fun way of enjoying a story together. So I'm I'm also appreciating it on that sort of level, uh, which is pretty cool. I do enjoy whenever a game comes along that's like that good for sort of co-playing something. Yeah, and it's just got a good vibe, right? Yeah. Like good music, kind of just an attractive. Like it feels kind of cozy and intimate the yeah. way like a city at night in a nice clean car, you know, can sort of cocoon you against the night air and yeah. uh, be a stage for a great conversation. Yeah, I, I, I do like it. And uh, again, like if you have Xbox Games Pass, I think it's on there right now. Oh, shit. So okay. definitely worth a flyer uh, if, you know, if, if you're curious. Uh, Is, speaking uh, of, yeah. What's up, Kyla? I was just wondering. Sorry, uh, I was looking, trying to find if Neo Cab was out because I'm curious oh, the, how these the Cyberpunk Cab game. Yeah, I was I'm curious how these are gonna like. <laughs> I you think know, that's compare. still still in development. Yeah, it, I was seeing like to that the original Cyberpunk Cab game is quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> There's a little bit of cab uh, going on in Observer, but very little. But a little. <laughs> Rooker Hauer sure is in a cab at the beginning of that game. Or a spinner, if you will. And then <laughs> the clicker crazy taxi was like kind of lefty, right? I never played that. There Let was, me see what that is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot that existed. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I need to check that <laughs> out at some point. We can, we, we, can, we can, you know, we've been looking for SEO rich content. Right. Uh, maybe Truly. Like top cab games <laughs> with good politics. <laughs> we can sort of start working on that list. Uh, so speaking of maybe not so good politics, uh, Kata, let's talk about why you're problematic. No, let's talk what? about the, wow. the, uh, union beliefs you've been getting from nowhere profit. Uh, you talked a little bit about this yeah. card game last week. And the thing that I remembered being kind of perturbing was the fact that it basically sounded like their idea of the union faction was stuff they vaguely remembered from 1984. Yeah, no, it it definitely so the, it, it it's strange because it's so the the full name of the faction is the Union of the Five Fingers. Their army is called the Fist, obviously. <laughs> um but they were a union pre this 
apocalyptic thing, right? Like there were like the miners union or whatever. And then post this apocalyptic thing, which it's, it's been a while since the whole, like they call it the crash happened. Um, what they've become now is this like fascistic, uh, you know, state where they like will execute people for thinking differently. There is a specific line where they say um, for, uh, getting in the way of our glorious revolution. So, uh, there's definitely it's something. Especially how Patco was before Reagan took care of it. <laughs> uh, yep. Um, which really struck me as odd. Um, really, the thing is, it feels like a lot of the. So, you gather people to follow you from every faction, any faction. Um, and so the way that these factions are kind of delineated feels strange when they're not addressed in the way that you're gathering people. Like, it's just like, Oh, these are all like, it's yeah. I have a, we, I have a bunch of unionist people on my, on my side. Are they like, they, they never really contend with like that. First off, like the, yes, it's, it's weird that that faction is called the union and like the, the idea that that's like an inevitable end state for union ideals is bad <laughs> from the yeah. get go. But another thing that this game does kind of oddly is, is not really contend with the fact that they, the way to describe and portray all of these factions are such like there's, it's so extreme that it never it, it it never feels like they're really um they don't they don't like think about the issue of like how wait wait how did i get these people on my side a lot of times right. you end up recruiting people for money like basically as mercenaries but the way that then they get deployed in certain story beats is as if they were they like suddenly become like devout followers of your cause even though what you did in the game was you gave battery gave them batteries and they're like yeah sure i'll come along um it's and it's and it 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 falls into this thing where like because every faction that you can recruit from is also faction the factions that are like there are no there are no cards or there are no people in this game that are not also possible to be recruited like they're hmm. all every enemy you encounter is also part of a faction or a, a because you because it's a card based thing right like every card that the enemy plays is also a card that you could actually own um but like yeah it doesn't it doesn't ever really um so like it describes you all of these of friction from right or like and like there could be there could be ways to set up some factions to not like the descriptions for all the factions are a hundred percent antagonistic in, in this way where like it feels like it's you against the world but not in a con like not in a convincing way it's like really there aren't any other altruistic like factions in this entire universe like everyone is like out against you for some reason in a weird way like i don't know and like Oh, another uh, another faction naming thing that uh, really um, just isn't great is uh, the nomadic, you know, sort of tribal uh, faction called the Ferals, which oh you know is a fun. Uh, <laughs> oh, 
way to describe people that, you know, don't live in the cities, you know. That's literally, like, the only difference is that, like, after the crash, they went to live in uh, nature instead of trying to rebuild it within a, 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 one of the destroyed cities. Um, so, yeah, uh, it's weird. And, like, I've there was one thing that happened to me. There was one small glimpse where I came upon um, this uh, a, a group of people from a mercenary group called uh, the Blue Devil Mercenaries, um, who again, like every other faction, they've all like been described as antagonistic and like very like there's no there, there's no black there's no like grays in between ever described except for this one moment that I've had, which is. Um, Part of the reason I'm still sticking with it and trying to get to the end because essentially I come upon them doing funerary funerary rites for some of their fallen, uh, you know, members. And in this like moment, I could actually join them and huh. pray for their member, like fallen members, and like even though every other encounter I've ever had with any other faction is always. Like, either I come to an uneasy truce where, like, they let me pass, like, and continue on my way, or it ends in a fight. And this was the only one where, as far as I could tell, there was no way for a fight to even break out. Um, So it's entirely possible that because this game is very hard, I've only, there's, like, you're supposed to get past four maps worth of, like, stuff to get to the end of it. Um, I've only ever gotten to pass the first two um and this encounter happened in the second map once so like it's possible there's more things like that later on or there's supposed to be a turn of, of some sort but like it's it's a problem that this sort of game this like a, a roguelike like this has with narrative if you're going to hold back information like that and but your game is very hard and it'll take a very long time to get to the end. Yeah. If it feels like, like I, I know like I might, I may have like, if it weren't for the fact that I kept getting the, this like single like glimpse into like slightly more nuanced storytelling, I might have already dropped it for being like, this seems weird. Like, I mean, it's good. Otherwise that's the other thing is that it's actually very like completely yeah. mechanically. It's a very fun card game. And, um, the like mechanics of having to keep your your followers alive like make you play a card game differently where before like i mentioned this before like when you play other games like magic or hearthstone or things like that you tend to see your 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 the pieces on the board as expendable and like they really lose that sense of like oh i can just throw this at that because it doesn't matter if it dies when um they they've set this up as like they're this group of followers and if they die twice that's it the card's gone like they're dead dead you know this permadeath aspect yeah so all of that is really interesting but then like the weird the like very like black or white and like lack of nuance is 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 like throwing me off from like really like 100% loving this game yeah <laughs> plus the like weird ways that they describe those those factions yeah yeah, that is a trap, like, to fall into for writing a game, right? Even if, and this is giving them a lot of credit, but even if they have some sort of other message or they're doing something with right. this eventually, which eventually. I, who knows if they are, but, like, yeah. if you set things up in such a way, very few people 
finish games, right? <laughs> right. Like, very few people <laughs> will actually see the end of a game, especially like a very difficult game. So it's like if you're if you're doing something with it, you got to kind of at least foreshadow that you're doing something yeah. with it, right? Yeah. And there hasn't been there hasn't been much, yeah. unfortunately. Well, it also sounds like done that thing where like your party, your your group has to be the good guys, which means every other ideology presented in the world has to be somehow bad. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Like you are yeah. you are you are the only virtuous right. uh, which is, society yeah. wandering the wastes. <laughs> which is complete, you know. It, I, I don't know. These and people like, believe in in worker solidarity, but ooh, too much. Too much. <laughs> These people are out and out fascists, but ooh, too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's um, a there's a right amount, damn it! And by God, <laughs> your party is going to find it, and that's right. why. And that's why everyone. That's why everyone. No, your can party do it. already found it. Like. That's it. Yeah. You're the ones that are just just the right amount of everything. You're so the, you're the, the big word. ten. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And like, there's ways to yeah. tell stories where obviously, like you, you're, you, you know, you, you're supposed to be the the good guys, but like, uh, having other, uh, other people that you can ally with or like see at least as equals in 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 you know in the world is, I think, important to making a world feel more fleshed out and not so just like, you good, everyone else bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um. So, actually, you know what? Let's take a quick break because then I need to get into what I was playing this weekend. All right. So we will uh, we have to do a little board game check-in right after the break. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Okay, so uh, the other thing I did this weekend was I visited some friends and we ended up playing a couple board games and it was getting progressively hotter as we were hanging out playing these games and so we probably played them in the wrong order. The first game we played was Restoration Games Fireball Island. Huh. Which Whoa. are you familiar with this? Do you remember the original Fireball Island at all? I don't remember like I don't remember it. No. Uh, so this is the first time encountering Fireball it. Island. Yeah, it's kind of a toy game. It's shades of like Don't Wake the Dragon or something like that, where you just run <laughs> characters around wait, 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 this. Wait. Don't wake the dragon? Yeah. Don't Don't Wake Daddy? <laughs> What? Is that is that the same what? thing? Daddy the Dragon? No, no, the, 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 <laughs> that old that game in the nineties. Don't wake Daddy. Yeah, no, that was a thing. It was a thing. A Fireball Island. Be... Let me look at this because I've played something like this before. The original, I think. I have no memory of this. Kata. <laughs> of, of Don't Wake Daddy. 
Don't no, wake daddy. I don't remember it at all. <laughs> the commercial was this kid like trying to sneak around a house in the dead of night. Um, yeah. Yeah, now now I'm watching a very old commercial about uh-huh. this. It's priceless. It's uh, <laughs> yeah, there's some kids superimposed over the board. It's fantastic. Um, and Daddy is this kind of uh, just nightmare, uh, go- like golem like creature yeah. at the center of the board uh, that like just sits bolt upright into watchfulness, like a weird. Um, really, like captures our sublimated fears of our fathers. I think so. <laughs> Anyway, uh, so so what this game is, it's this this, huge, really detailed, pretty plastic board of this like fucking Temple of Doom style (laughs) uh, island with like a giant volcano slash uh, totem in Uh the center of the island that will... (laughs) Launch fireballs at intervals as you loot the treasure. Uh. And like, so basically you're all a bunch of your combination. Like what if Indiana Jones was also like a shitty tourist on a booze cruise? (laughs) And that's kind of who you people are. Like everyone is there to both like just loot shit off this island, but also take good uh, snapshots. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, they're all worth victory points. And can you get back to the helicopter before the island like basically explodes? So you're and influencers. Is yeah. What you're saying. All right. Good. And uh, presumably once Fireball Island is destroyed, you release like an apology video or something yep, like that. But, of course. <laughs> uh, no, so what so it's it's very simple like you you get cards and they each have like move 10 spaces and each time you move like a tre- move past treasure you can just grab a piece of treasure the more matching types of treasure you have the more points you get but then a lot of times as you're running around looting stuff a card will say like move 10 take treasure but also uh advance like the cataclysm track and release all the fireballs. Uh, and so this statue at the center of the island, this this volcano, Volcar, uh, you drop a little like bearing through the top of its head. And then from there, it can go three directions out the front, like through the mouth or like out the ears to the sides. And then it's just kind of anybody's guess where those balls are going to go. They will just go falling down the island. And if they knock your character, your characters over, like you lose treasure. Mm. Um, You also have the option to like flick boulders at other people's characters. So you can be like, you finish a move and uh, knock one of the boulders over. And these are sort of set in these positions all around the island. And you're not allowed to like, totally flick them so they go airborne, but you can like push them in a direction to see if you can get them to like fall into a track where they will hit another person's character. Um, It's a very silly game. It's, (laughs) it's very light. Uh, I crushed it. Yeah. Uh, I was just, just, it's just a total like skill free game. Uh, I mean, like there's a little skill, like you have to get pretty good at like, Flicking those boulders at other characters, and I did. Um, <laughs> nice, but yeah, I, I. But at the same time, like I also just got a lot of good cards, and so I moved the farthest, which means I looted the most treasure, and then I left. And um, 
Yeah. Good. Yeah. And and so I, I, I won pretty handily. So that was the first game we played and it was, it was fine. It was light. It was easy. Then we played this game called Coimbra uh, by Flaminia Brasini and uh, uh, Virginio uh, Gili. And it is, it was described to me as, oh, it's a Euro game, you know, worker placement, some <laughs> drafting. Uh-huh. Oh, it's a Euro game. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought I like, but the thing is, I haven't played a lot of the more recent Euro games. So if you're familiar with this in board game spaces, a lot like Euro games are basically anything that's not like a 1970s style, like American war game or like a uh, Hasbro or Parker Brothers uh, type old family board game, right? right? Like Euro games were always used to describe slightly better designed, uh, frequently like non-confrontational board games. So uh, Settlers of Catan is kind of the classic example. That was what sort of the first probably Euro game like mega hit. Uh, Agricola is another. Uh, Pandemic, honestly, huh. is uh, is basically like sort of done in the Euro game style. But all these things that I'm describing tend to be pretty straightforward, uh, easy enough to parse like how the theme relates to the mechanics. Mm-hmm. It was like 85 degrees <laughs> and climbing fast as they began to explain to me the mechanics of Coimbra. Oh, boy. And uh, we should we should go to Board Game Geek real quick. Okay. Um, and just pull up the like screenshots of the board uh, so you can sort of see what I'm getting into here. How do we spell this? Just about, you know. Uh, C-O-I-M-B-R-A. Uh, 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 <laughs> so the city in Portugal? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, I guess I have to put game, board game. Coimbra board game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Holy so, God. Okay, here we go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, nobody, by the way, told me what this game was about. They just started explaining the rules. Because mm. what the game is about will probably not actually help you. Oh, God. Uh, it is a time of, like, great prosperity in the city of Coimbra. And the city is sort of divided between the ruling council and the church and the scholars and the merchants. Uh, you know, two oh, things Lord. make the city run, uh, force and money. And also, though, there's people on, uh, there's like four sets of dice. And then there's the (laughs) yeah, and then there's the pilgrims going on their journey through uh, Coimbra and its environs to holy sites, and all these things will advance you up the four tracks: the council track, the merchant track, the church track, Mm -hmm. and I think like the academy track. Um, But then you also roll like. 12 dice at the start of each turn <laughs> and then people draft which dice they want. Oh, okay, so you can okay. be like, I want, I want the six. And then you can also use those to buy character cards, which are laid out to the left of the board. But here's the catch. Six of them. While six character cards. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's uh there's three sets of four. There's 12. 
uh, Wait, laid out at a time. At the oh, end of wow, a turn, okay. all the character cards go away. Uh, oh, yeah, no, the character, the, those cards at the bottom, Kado, those are voyages. Don't worry Wait, about those. Wait, what? Oh, wow. <laughs> God damn it's it. Portugal. There's, there's, there's oceanic expeditions happening. We'll get to those in just one quick second. But also, <laughs> off to the side, there's these character cards, and there's 12 of them, and you get to, like, buy them. But here's the catch. So if you, like, put a six down next to a row of character cards, chances are that means you are the first person who's going to get to draft because six is the highest, and so you get the highest priority. But you'll also have to pay either six coins or six guards to buy it. So you can try to undercut people uh-huh. and be like, I'm going to put a two in and I'm just going to get a cheap card. Right. Can I read anyway. this sentence from a review linked yeah. on Board Game Geek from the Tabletop Times? Go for it. This, uh, it. It describes the complexity of the game and it says, well, this complexity suits the game and acts to mask some of the back end victory point calculation. It does seem like this game could be unpleasant with players prone to analysis paralysis particularly at higher player counts. Is it analysis paralysis or is it people who are like me who are just gawking at all the numbers and colors and being like, that was uh. me. Like it was, <laughs> there were two people who played it before. There was MK who just like intuitively understood the logic of this. Sure. Gotcha. And then yeah. there was me who was <laughs> like, I was staring at the board and I was like, none of this makes sense. Like a lot of times in Euro games, the board itself can kind of give you clues about how it's going to work. Like there's certain like formulas and calculations that are represented on the board that sort of let you figure out, like you do this, that turns into this resource and that resource can be used to buy a victory asset. Y or something like that. Usually you can parse this. I was looking at this thing and it felt (laughs) like one of those dreams where the final, like they're giving the final that morning (laughs) at school and you didn't study and you never took the class, but you have to take it. So, it's a like map with numbers 80. on it. <laughs> what is By it? the time the explanation <laughs> stops, it's like 87 degrees. Oh, and no. like I am just starting to like panic. Oh. And people are making moves. And people like people are like this this game is great. Oh, I love the elegance of this. And I am just like doing things to try to keep the game moving without like letting on that I don't know what is happening. <laughs> And so, but here's the weird thing. So I sort of. (laughs) What is Oh, yeah, Doug, the pilgrims (laughs) have got to go around Portugal, man. That's what pilgrims do. You've got to get your pilgrims around Portugal, and they go to different holy sites that allow you to advance on the different tracks for the council or the merchant or the church track. So the, the, the. the poor the, the the pilgrimages are incredibly important. Guess which part of the game I didn't understand? Because like I was like, okay, wait. So I I think I know how to I can use the dice to set up like I can bid on things using these dice. Great, I've got it, and I'm just gonna do that because I seem to understand that, and I can just buy things off of that. And then it occurs to me round like when it's 91 degrees oh inside that I'm like, wait. It's weird though that like a third of the space on this board is this like yeah. map of pilgrim sites. Right. It's a pretty yeah, it's a pretty big chunk. Yeah. It's like 
often like, you know, in design, like size equals importance, right? Like that's kind of a visual principle of right. like, you yeah. know, info design. And I was like, damn, like weird that they would have this big map in this sort of like card drafting game. <laughs> I wonder what that's about. <laughs> so uh, last thing, by the way, so all the cards also have you go through the drafting phase and then all the cards also have like second order effects later in the turn. So if like certain cards will be like in this phase, uh, if you've played two purple dice, you get two gold uh, you, you, for each purple dice you played, you get like two gold. Uh, so take two gold for just having done that. So that's another thing you can calculate. And then when all is said and done, you've you made all these decisions and you've activated various tracks, which give you other resources. Then you can invest in the expeditions, which basically are like if you've played Waterdeep, Lords of Waterdeep or something like that. They're like bonus victory conditions. And this is where things can get a little crafty because people can be sort of architecting powerful end game scoring conditions that are not immediately obvious on the board. Like, you look at the state of play on the board, but you don't realize that someone has paid for an expedition that will... And this was basically what I ended up doing. Um, I kept drafting council characters, the black characters. Mm. And they're, they're little, like, the, the town council, little, little, little black cards with a little white key on them. And for every one of those I had, I got two victory points. And I was sitting on, like, eight of these things. And so, and I had them sort of like stacked, hidden in ah. my hand, just like, mm. yeah, I wasn't showing that off. Yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, this seems like, this seems like a play. Sure. If I do this, surely I won't need to use the pilgrimage track. At all. But it, no, <laughs> no. And then like on the next to last turn, I was like, wait, why is everyone so far ahead? <laughs> and then like it dawned, I was like, wait. What are all these symbols on the pilgrim track? It's like <laughs> oh, those are no. those are the things they give you, Rob. And I was right. like, wow, they let you advance all these tracks all at once. And it was like, yeah, man. Yeah, they do. <laughs> and I was like, damn, the game done changed. <laughs> and so I was frantically trying to like get a bunch of uh pilgrims around the board. But what occurred to me while I was playing this is you know how, like, with craft beer, there was, like, the rush to just brew hoppier and hoppier IPAs? Mm. Like, it just became the thing where it's like, damn, like, the mark of a real beer, as opposed to, like, mass market domestic beers, is that real beer, like, good IPAs have, like, a big hoppy character. They're kind of bitter. Uh, they got really tannic flavor. And so to make a better one of those, I'm just going to crank all of that up and then beer nerds are going to be like damn do you just taste how fucking hoppy this is i love it i think that's happened in euro games coimbra oh, no. is like a fairly recent game mm. and playing it it just felt to me like in the end it did start to feel cool like once i did around like the last turn where i kind of internalized the logic of this game and it stopped feeling like i was just trying to like bullshit my way through a class uh to, you know until the bell rang yeah the like once i once it sort of clicked there was kind of a cool elegance to it that, that i appreciated but everything to that point to get me to that point it just felt like 
we are now like over 10 years into this Eurogame revolution. And it's being driven by this desire for just like wildly ornate yeah. mathematical structures. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't have Excuse gotten me. very far in this game. I could tell you that. It it does remind me, uh, it, I, I could tell you what kind of board gamer I am. There was once upon a time I went on vacation with a bunch of friends and we had the Game of Thrones board game, which is a cool and interesting yeah. game, I think. I've actually played it before with people who knew what they were doing. Uh, but we set up the board and that took us two hours. And then we <laughs> promptly were like, oh, we're hungry and ended up making dinner and leaving the board set up on the dinner table and then just made dinner and never actually played the game. <laughs> very sad. But we I guess we had some fun with it. Uh, I I start yeah. losing I start losing the thread pretty early in a lot of uh, rules heavy board games uh personally well uh, to my shame I, uh, <laughs> like i don't have a i don't have the kind of brain that comprehends rules explanations well mm -hmm. i really don't like Same. if a game is a machine i need to see the machine run mm -hmm. for a couple right. like revolutions before i understand like how it works but if it's just explained it's like 50 times harder for yeah. me to parse like what's going on. But once I've seen it, seen the engine turnover, I'm like, Oh wait. So this actually is the belt that connects to this. And when this moves, all these other dependent variables rotate with it. And I kind of get it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like sitting through these explanations with just like, just in this ripping hot room. <laughs> and oh. I'm just like fucking getting flop sweats as I try to figure <laughs> out like how I'm going to play this game. Uh, it was, it was quite suspenseful. It was nerve wracking. <laughs> Uh, but but I did well. I ended up coming in second. Oh, hey. um, oh nice! Yeah, pretty close because because I had put because I had stuck to the few things I knew early on. I had pushed a couple strategies basically as far as they could go, and that served me pretty well. Like I had min maxed, but my max was my comprehension, and my min was just all the shit I didn't understand until much later in the game. <laughs> Fair. So that uh, was yeah. that's uh, that's my review of Coimbra. Uh, it's a it, Euro game. Uh, but you're it saying you should have started with the other game and then, uh, sorry, with this. I should have started then, with Coimbra. Yeah, right. Yeah, and right. then Fireball Island. It always feels uh, the the more complicated uh, a game's rules are, the more often I want to be able to play it. Because I feel like if I'm investing that much time just understanding yes. the thing, yeah. I want to be able to go back to it multiple times. Uh, uh, case in point, the one like big board game that I played for like three years uh, with my friends in Baltimore uh, was called Zombicide. And that was essentially, yep. <laughs> I mean, it's like, think about like things like the D&D combat system situation, like where you're rolling dice to do attacks and things like that. Like that's, it's, it's about as complex, but mostly it's just like, takes a lot of times to really understand because the way it works is it's a cooperative game and the board game, all the zombies on the board are moved by certain rules and the way that those rules interact aren't always super clear to the point where they've, <laughs> they put out multiple addendums and uh, what's the word for it? Um, Errata. Yeah. 
yeah, multiple yep. rule errata to kind of clarify, like, wow. oh, yeah, we made something uh, entirely too complex. Sorry about that. Here's uh, all these edge cases that we totally missed. <laughs> yep. But once that, you've that put the- That a lot in the indie space, too. Right. Yeah, totally. And it feels like once you've put in the t- time to, like, understand the rules, it, it it's, like, worth it if you're going to play it more than the one time, which, um, you know, most board games are- infinitely replayable because you're just trying to win again but something um yeah sorry i don't know where i was going with that yeah <laughs> no i get point. it though because yeah. like a lot of times these games only sort of reveal themselves until you're beginning to interact with the actual strategies right but the first time you play it where you're learning how the system actually works you're just trying to see like you're it, looking you're at almost the going through motions uh, mm-hmm. to yeah yes. to try to you know parse what 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 things will you know domino into other things right or like <laughs> like seven wonders is an easyish game to get into playing but the problem is until you like know what cards are in there and like just what the right. just how the game tends to flow toward the end until you've done that a few times you're entirely reactive you're not planning for anything but right. once you know what's in what's potentially in your hand then the game completely changes. But how often, but then you're up against the, how often am I going to get people together to play with this? Which right. is the, uh, which is really where the rubber meets the road with uh, board games. Cause on one hand, there are things that sort of let us hold on to our friendships in the thirties, but they're also the <laughs> things that sort of highlight the degree to which those friendships begin to atrophy. Yeah. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right, uh, let's let's pause for some let's let's pause for some questions uh, yeah. real quick. So Harry writes, I've been working my way through Dishonored 2 lately, and I recently got to the Dust District mission. In it, you're tasked with breaking into mining magnate Aramis Stilton's mansion, whose house is secured by a special lock that's guarded by a multivariable, dubiously worded logic puzzle, the Jindosh riddle. The riddle totally consumed me. While there were other ways to break into the mansion, I felt like I absolutely needed to solve it, leading me to create a Pepe Silva-esque series of diagrams <laughs> and incoherent ramblings in my notebook. It took me the better part of, of an hour and a half, and when I finally cracked it, I genuinely shouted Eureka in time with a trophy unlocking next to it. This got me wondering, what are some optional puzzles that have totally consumed y'all in the past? Did you crack the code? Are there any that still stump you to this day? Thanks for all your hard work. Eric. That's probably wrong. I So Harry or Eric? Let me, let me pull that back up. <laughs> Wait, what? I, yeah. It's Harry. It's Harry. Harry. Okay. Harry. Don't you worry about it. Uh I have a couple. Well, I guess they weren't entirely optional, but uh sort of. Uh, okay. So <laughs> number one is the witness. There were a couple of areas in the witness, which I talked about way too much on uh Little <laughs> Weekend, but in case you don't know, uh I Loved that game until I truly hated it. And there were times in the swamp puzzle area where I actually cut out pieces of paper, just like from a notebook, and arranged <laughs> them into shapes. Yeah. And I put them up on the TV screen to like try to fucking figure out. Because the, the swamp puzzles, if I'm not mistaken, were had to do with particular shapes and like how you sort of figured out what X meant or, or what Y meant. And... When I got through that fucking swamp puzzle, which still, to this day, the final part of that puzzle confounds me. I still, I don't understand how the solution is what the solution is. And, like, multiple people diagrammed it out for me, and I was still like, 
I don't think this makes sense because of another <laughs> factor. I'm angry. Why game? I spent hours and hours and hours and cut out pieces of paper and everything. I'm still angry about it. This was three years ago or something like that, but I'm still mad. Uh, but yep, that's that's number one. I have I have another, but I'll let somebody else go as well. Um. <sighs> so Destiny uh, has has had these puzzles that generally have been kind of arg-ish insofar as it kind of requires a, a big, you know, like a large amount of people kind of, you know, inputting various codes and things like that. Um, this past winter, they did something, though, where... You could as they put they put a lot of these args happen kind of off uh out of the game and then like you go into the game and find something to like input it into sort of situation. Uh this one particularly one called Niobe Labs happened in game, completely in game, in, in such a way that I felt like I could go in there with some friends and figure it out and you know, give it give it the old try. It turns out that it was it relied on information from previous uh, uh, ARG elements in such a way that I we were never going to figure that shit out. But God damn it, did we try for five hours <laughs> and like still couldn't wrap our head around certain things that were like callbacks to previous steps of the uh, ARG, um, uh, you know, and things like, like involving the fucking hilt of Charlemagne's sword, shit like that, like like real world like stuff that we'd never realized was being uh was information that was being uh referenced. So um yeah, Niobe Labs would be that for me. I, it still haunts me to this day. Um Gosh, so like Jin Dosh Riddle, I totally went all the way down that rabbit Good. hole. Uh, when I, like I, I spent basically, I started working the problem while I was watching a baseball game, and uh, like just for the length of a baseball game, was sort of dipping in and out of diagramming that all out, and eventually figured out on how I was going to solve it using like a series of like uh, like elimination uh, statements that I was certain I could make, and then infer things from that. It was it was cool. It was a lot of fun. Um, in terms of optional puzzles, I don't know, like, I think I've tended not to get too far involved with stuff like that. For for instance, I'm somebody who, things like the, the Riddler, uh, puzzles mm. in the Arkham series, right? I do tend to just kind of skip over that because... They do get really hard and challenging, but before you get to that, a lot of us just search this room for the thing you haven't climbed or accessed <laughs> and then see how it all works. Right. Uh, so I, I tend not to mess around with that too much. Uh, a game that di I did connect with this on, on this level, but it, but it's not none of the puzzles are optional in this way. Um, there's this game called Device 6. Mm. Uh I remember. Which yeah. is an iOS game. Uh, Seth Rosen uh, ended up introducing it to me one evening. Uh, it is kind of an interactive fiction, uh, surreal horror puzzle game. 
that's like done really elegantly for uh, an iOS device, but it's like a series of, um, it is a game that hinges on kind of state changes. Like there is sort of the superficial world you inhabit, the surface level world where everything appears like roughly normal, but somewhat cryptic. And then there's kind of like a photo negative version of the world where like a lot of things are revealed. Like to, to a degree, the hook of this game basically is it's like you keep toggling between the to serve humans and to serve humans for dinner. Yeah. Uh, kind of, <laughs> kind of reality, but the puzzles are really good. Uh, the problem I tend to have with puzzles is that I go way too far. <laughs> so for instance, I will like, I convinced myself that, there was a cue to that the, I basically solved how a code was working. It was sort of a code wheel type puzzle. And I'd worked out how, like how the wheel was turning and what it would be indicating when it turned. But then I convinced myself that the indications that every other step was telling me to rotate the reference direction for the entire code wheel, right? So like north would become west. And so basically I created like an entire different axis on which the puzzle was turning because just having it say, oh, check check the coordinate for northeast, that was too straightforward for me. So I was like, ah, so east has become north. And therefore... Hmm. <laughs> all the indications that are saying north are actually referring to what was west previously. And yeah. And so that's, and this is how I ruin things for myself uh, because I routinely like there is kind of the straightforward solution I was supposed to get. And then frequently I will be like, well, that seems too straightforward. All about what they really meant was build an enigma machine. <laughs> God. Good. And they rarely do. <laughs> I'll often pay attention to the wrong thing. Instead of like taking it too far, I'll think, oh, this is clearly what they're going for here. It's that there are three screws on the panel and I need to figure out where the fourth screw should be. And it has nothing to do with the screws <laughs> on the panel. Like I will just constantly pay attention to the wrong thing all the time with, with optional puzzles. It's very sad. Yeah. Uh, next question here comes from Matt. Uh, Dear Waypoint crew, do you have a comfort meal or snack that you make for yourself? Something that at least involves some premeditated intention to cheer yourself up, put yourself in a certain headspace, etc. I find cooking helps me with depression and anxiety about finding employment, but there can definitely be detrimental effects if I spend too much of my daily time or budget on cooking. Deeper thoughts about small accomplishments in cooking and gaming while not getting sucked in are eluding me at the moment. Hmm. What's your comfort food? What what tends to do it for you? Is it just popcorn, Daniel? Like, is that kind of your go-to? Like, it is. It is a go-to, uh, and it's also something I like making for like myself and a friend or myself and a partner. Because the amount that you make is like pretty. It's a pretty large amount that I can certainly demolish. Uh, as as yeah. a growing girl, you know. Uh, but <laughs> it's uh, it's like a nice thing to make. Like for me and my partner or, you know, if I have a friend coming over to watch a movie or something, it's like 
I made popcorn with real butter. And it's like the, the most involved thing that I've made. But I also have, um, for me, ultimate comfort food is my cheat day dessert, which is some some form of Ben and Jerry's ice cream. I've been I've been actually really enjoying the dairy free version lately. Just as a, it's really good. Actually, it's mm. wonderful. It's made with like almond milk or coconut milk or something. It's really yummy, with some uh, peanut butter and company peanut butter on top, especially the maple kind, which is amazing, uh. or the chocolate kind. They're both great. So that's my like. Go to like, hey, it's a cheat day. Have some dessert. Enjoy some copious amounts of sugar with some peanut butter that also has copious amounts of sugar on top. Uh, mine's a little strange. It's it's hummus. I'll make my own hummus and like eat like a not really a gallon, but nearing a gallon of hummus in like a sitting sometimes. Because I love that stuff. It's so good. It's delicious, <laughs> uh, especially homemade. Like, um, that, yeah, I was it, wondering about that. It, it, no, like it, it. It takes a lot of premeditation though, because I do it from uh, dried beans. So it's like oh, wow. eight hours in a slow cooker. So it's got to be the night before, and then I like. Oh wow! You're not you, like no canned for you. No. Nah, wow. get that shit out of here. <laughs> it's also it's it's cheaper. It's literally cheaper to buy dried beans than yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> so um, I just buy in bulk, and you know they keep uh, dried for a while. Um, but yeah, I will sit and eat wait like an, 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 an inordinate amount of hummus in one sitting uh, as comfort food because I love it. Do you eat it with something? Usually, whatever I can find. Really, the substrate doesn't gotcha. matter. But uh, if I if I have a good pita chip, that's preferred. Yeah. If I don't, a piece of toast will do. Yeah. Carrots are carrots, okay in a pinch. Celery. Carrots, I don't love carrots because I feel like they're too sweet usually, mm. and I don't like it. The, the that that particular sweet and salt mixture usually, they're all right. When I'm feeling like I need to be healthier than just putting a bunch of bread and beans in my mouth, I will do the carrots. Celery all, all the time. I love it. That stuff is is great texture, but also doesn't particularly taste super strongly. So yeah. it's a perfect thing to dip into things. Love it. Excellent. Uh, yeah, for me, I think I tend to like doing baking a lot mm. because... I think part of it is just it feels like I have made myself the time to commit to doing that. Right. So I think like there's there's a lot of things I like about the entire cooking process. But part of it is just going out to the kitchen and like sort of setting up the whole maze where like a lot of ingredients are pre-measured and weighed. Uh, and then you just begin going through the steps of combining them. You know, you weight your uh, 30 minutes while the uh, autolys, uh, you know, occur, like occurs, uh, <laughs> take, takes place. Uh, and then it's a lot of fun in that a lot of a lot of the stuff, especially with like leavened uh, breads, pastries. It's not that much work. Like a lot of times you've just put this put this bowl in a fridge overnight it will be more delicious tomorrow uh, you know and so you wake up and you roll out of bed you take it out of the fridge you let it warm up a little bit and then you you bake it up um and so i think it's 
it's forgiving in a way that cooking often is not because cooking, once you sort of have gotten rolling on a recipe, a lot of times you're, you're kind of in it, right? Like, Oh, I can't Mm -hmm. pause it at this point. Like once I have done these three things, I have to finish the dish. Um, and then that also probably means clean up afterwards and that I, I enjoy cooking, but it can be a little more stressful. Baking is forgiving in a way that you can just, you can constantly pause it. Uh, usually mm-hmm. things are better for having waited a little bit. So it's kind of perfect for being a nice pastime and who doesn't like bread? You know, nobody's like, nobody's yeah. going to be like, Oh damn it, Zach! And you baked you baked <laughs> more fresh baguettes. You asshole! Like, you, uh, like how dare everyone, you? It's, <laughs> yeah, that stuff's always welcome. Yeah. Do you uh, do you do any sourdoughs? Do you have a, a starter somewhere? Uh, I have generally no, because there's been a couple things. Yeah, one is that when I was introduced to sourdough. I just didn't like the sourdough flavor that much. Oh, like just your commercial sourdoughs all have that like really identifiable, like kind of tart flavor on mm-hmm. the dough. Mm-hmm. That's just not what I want. I want a, I want the, the whitest white bread baguette, <laughs> right? It, this thing is going to be, this thing is going to be a crispy, fluffy, uh, vessel for jam and cheese. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be kind of neutral for that. However, I did start baking enough that I started to really wish I had a starter that would stay alive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in between in between rounds, and so I think this fall I'm probably getting a starter, and nice. I'm gonna keep it alive because yeah, I can't I can't keep doing uh, I I can't keep doing a quick starter. Uh, you know, the the day of or the <laughs> night before with commercial yeast. Because commercial yeast will die overnight, right. Right? right? Like you basically can't, like it consumes its food so rapidly that it will not stay alive in uh, flour and water for more right. than like 24 hours. I, I recall seeing a question in the question bucket, and I don't know if y'all addressed it, but it, it had to do with whether or not you consider yourself the Paul Hollywood of the game industry. <laughs> Are you Googling Paul Hollywood? Yeah, who the fuck is Paul Hollywood? Oh my god. Oh, great British Bake Off? The Great British Bake Off guy. Ra- Wait, you just said you liked baking and you haven't... <gasps> no! I like, ba- I like baking, not like... <laughs> Um, look, unless this look. dude is cooked with like Claire look. and Brad, uh, he's <laughs> he's nobody to me. <laughs> wow! You should you should I watch some... like every season of that show at this point. It's it's delightful. <laughs> it's so good. I don't even. I don't bake. I don't. Sadly, in my life, I don't eat a lot of baked goods for reasons. But like, I love that show. So it. It is comfort food for me. Like, watching it is comfort food for me. Just watching, like, these skilled artisans who are all, like, nice, normal people doing this, like, incredibly high-level competition with judges who are very stern but very fair, and they're never mean. It is, like, the most wonderful show. It's really good. It's very wholesome. It's very wholesome, but without being, like, without being cloying ever. It is very, like, we're going to be very tough on you, but we're going to be fair. Like, it's so good. 
anyway. Yeah, no, I've heard that show is nothing but charming. It's, uh, it's good. Because yeah. it is mostly like, as opposed to the um, cooking competition model, yeah. where it tends to be a little more like Gordon Ramsay's going to curse at somebody or yeah. these like teams of like ambitious assholes are trying to like, <laughs> you know, get Senpai to notice them. Yeah. Uh, I do. I I do tend to be a little more interested in the cooperative model. Uh, this is why like Master Chef Junior, I think, does it for me sure. in a way that Master Chef never does. Yeah. because um, like most kids aren't monsters. Yeah. yeah which yeah, that helps. This is still and a also competition. Gordon Ramsay isn't oh, gonna yeah. curse at kids. Exactly. <laughs> this is still like a competition, and it's still like very, very, very high skill level. But it's just high skill level without anybody being yeah. a dick. Really, that's just, it's more removing right. a bad element than it is sort of adding like, oh, it's just charming and it's all people doing their best. It's like they're doing their best, but they're also very good at it, which is like key, I think, to the product. Anyway, yeah. Paul Hollywood. I was like, is that a what's this guy through Doc Hollywood? <laughs> he has beautiful, beautiful eyes. It sounds like a fictional character. I yeah. know. I think it's his real name, though. I think. Really? I think it is. Fantastic. I assumed that was the stage name. <laughs> he has great fashion sense. He's he's a, a gorgeous large man. It's just, you know, it's he's great. Just saying. And a load of gossipy headlines on Google uh, right yep. now. So, <laughs> hmm. I don't know about this guy. Uh, you know? Don't know. If, don't know if he's my goals. <laughs> I, I don't know what they are, so but I, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Uh, also into cars. I, I, He's also into racing and cars. That's true. Oh, man. This, this guy, yeah, this guy sounds maybe all right. <laughs> or at least so, somebody I'd probably get along with. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, uh, we should probably <laughs> leave it off there. Yeah. Um, before we his, that is before his we start, to God real go, ass name. I think it is. Yeah, no, it is. I just looked it up. It totally is. <laughs> Sorry, Paul <Rob>. Hollywood. <laughs> well, you can send us questions to gamingadvice.com with the subject question. Uh, you can find all of us on uh, Twitter at uh, at Waypoint, and you can find me on Twitter at Rob Zachney. Daniel, where can people find you? You can find me at Danielle R I. On Twitter. Kato. At A underscore Kato underscore appears. And our uh, our outro track is Miss You off the EP Pale Machine by Bowen. Uh, you can learn more about Bowen's music at waypoint.zone slash Bowen. I can't believe we haven't updated this in like ever. <laughs> that's real. Uh, we'll that's be back. Still, that's going to be up I forever. I still works. Yeah, yeah. No, that still works. Waypoint.zone is Raise a it to the rafters. Separate, <laughs> separate fucking... Uh, uh, URL domain, so that one's gonna be up forever. <laughs> A lot like discourse.zone. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> May it never die. Uh, Alright, and we'll be back later this week with the other half of that uh, Evangelion episode that we were working on. 22 um, to 24, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. we got cut off last time by technical difficulties and the fact that we labored over two episodes for like Two hours. Yep. This is gonna. So it's gonna be for the rest of this. <laughs> it's getting dense. <laughs> it's getting, getting dense. dense. <laughs> There's like a, a lot. thick bread. Yeah. It's getting dense. 
So that was my problem up. always was my bread would come out in like a solid block. It was bad. A bit stodgy. It wouldn't, yeah, something went wrong there. I don't actually know how bread works. You gotta but ask Paul Hollywood. Yeah. There was like a one, it was like the bottom was one solid like thing and then there was a big <laughs> bubble of bread on top. It was bad. Aww. Yeah. Oh, that's tried. weird. It doesn't sound like it was mixed well. Then. Yeah, maybe that's, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how I fucked it up. Oh. Yeah, my starter. Yeah, there should be lots of bubbles all the way through. If you got one big bubble, that it was like one to big like, bubble. <laughs> yeah, like that pizza dough, to me like, like a layer of yeast. Right. Oh God, it was. It was like like, like imagine <laughs> imagine like you you see a, a loaf a, a boul of bread right <laughs> yeah but like only the bottom inch but it's hollow. Yeah, it's hollow. The bottom inch is like you made a bread solid. bowl. Oh, it's just nightmarish. It's yeah, a bowl. It's, it was not good. It's like a thick clay. Uh huh. Yeah. Yes, clay with is a exact... giant like empty dome of air. Yep. Oh, this is hellish. Yeah. I hate it. And so that's why <laughs> no, I don't you. break bread anymore. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but think of the amazing unleavened breads you could make. Oh. Maybe that's maybe that was just right. Sure. The universe's way of being like Kato. Think of the taqueria you could open. Right. Yeah. Well, it, admittedly, you'd just be serving tortillas. The rest <laughs> of the ingredients, kind of, we're not sure. The universe was just like, you should, be, the tr- you should be making pita to go with your fucking hummus. I was going to say, <laughs> Kato, yes. don't call Defita. Get yourself some pita. <laughs> Very sorry for everything, but I'm not. Well, we'll be back later this week with more, more Ava and another episode of Waypoint Radio. Until then, Danielle, what do we say to the people? Be good and be good at it. Peace. So there's that. <laughs> When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Uh, Cut of wait, going. 12's good? Yep. Sorry. No, it's not good anymore. Uh, <laughs> 21? Let's do 21. Okay. Just swap those numbers. Yeah. It seemed There we go. good. I don't know. <laughs> yes. Uh yeah, so I played Kato, do you play board games much? Yeah. <laughs> do you I ever would... play a you ever play a Euro game? Uh any kind of worker placement? Yeah, like, yeah, just yeah, like fucking... Carcassonne. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, we're gonna get go into some mechanical description so you can uh, relive my hell with me from this. Yay. <laughs> uh we'll talk a little bit more about Night Call, Danielle. I want to hear about your experiences. 
Sure. Um, but first, I'm going to have to tell everybody about uh, my morning and what's going on around here. Good. All right. 